Welcome to the Campus Fellowship Podcast. This is a podcast interview where we seek to highlight for you a resource on our website that we think will be a blessing to your life. My name is Jacob Bennett, and I serve the executive direct, serve as the executive director of Campus Fellowship, which exists to equip local churches in a common mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ on college campuses who worship God and change the world. Uh, with me today is Melody Wigdahl. Melody, do you want to introduce yourself? Yep, I'm Melody. Most people call me Mel, and I do a lot of the media for Campus Fellowship. I'll be running Mixer for this podcast and potentially asking some questions. Great. And with us also today is John Hastings from Vintage Faith Church in Manhattan. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks, Jacob. Great. Uh, John, before we get into the article that you wrote um, about the abolition of man by C.S. Lewis, uh, I thought it'd be good just for listeners to hear uh, about what's something that God has been doing in your life, your church, your city, or your campus. Uh, would you like to share something briefly about what you've been seeing God do? Yeah, sure. I think the biggest thing that I'm, I'm most encouraged by that God's doing in our campus is I think he's really uniting us together in love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And, uh, you know, it's Campus Fellowship has just been such a help with that. Organizing conferences and, and things is an opportunity for us to get away and, and join together as a team to serve Christ. So it's been great. That's wonderful to hear. Um, well, so you read the book by C.S. Lewis, The Abolition of Man. Yep. Um, and what made you pick up this book? Yeah. Other than C.S. Lewis. I know. Does C.S. Lewis need any other? Reason, <laughs> no, right? he doesn't. Oh. Well, well, actually, uh, some friends of mine, uh, some guys, we're trying to start a, a classical Christian school in Manhattan. And Abolition of Man is um, it's a treatise on education, largely. It, 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 he goes way beyond that. <laughs> but he begins with the seeds of education and how that affects mankind. And so um, had to read it. Okay. If you could give a summary of the book, well, how would you summarize oh, it? Oh, my goodness. Uh, the, the book, it, you know, um, it's an explanation of how subjectivity actually leads to the loss of humanity. Okay. Yeah. I know, I know. I, I could go. I could keep going. I, I could. We could get deeper. But it's, um, you, you should write um, book reviews or book summaries for these authors. You know, just say, "Hey, I can give you a one sentence ex- explanation." <laughs> that that does very impressive. And I've never actually even read the book myself. And now you want so, to, right? yeah. yeah. And so now in this interview, I've read your article. Mm-hmm. Melody hasn't, so I'm going to ask you some questions, and Melody's going to chime in if she's feels like there's a question that listeners would want to know that she's like, oh, I don't understand what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the article, you talk about that modern subjective worldview. Yeah. Um, so could you maybe help define or explain that, like what yeah. a worldview yeah. even is and why it's yeah, important? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I would say I would define a worldview as a system of thought that allows you to answer life's most basic questions in a coherent way. Who is man? What mm-hmm. do we exist for? Right. What's good? What's bad? What's beautiful? What's ugly? You know, how do we how we answer those questions uh, is always dependent on our worldview. It informs how we answer those questions. Okay. Mm -hmm. sweet. So given that, what uh, consequences does C.S. Lewis lay out for adopting the subjective worldview, especially in regards to uh, what you wrote about, like technology and science? Yeah, well, maybe first we can define what we I mean I mean is like maybe you know not that long ago that I really understood the difference between subjectivity and objectivity oh that's, that's probably <laughs> that a good was thing a question I was ask. Right. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh so, so when when we talk about subjective what we mean is is it can it's different for every person 
It's, mm. It can it can change. It's it's based on your personal preferences, right? So you might say, um, you know, if meat versus vegetables is you know it's subjective. You know, some people like meat, some people like vegetables, right? Uh, objectivity is it's fixed. You know, you're going sixty miles an hour. It's not like you think. Yeah, I think we're going seventy. I think we're going forty. No, there's a right answer. You're going sixty. That's it's objective. It's fixed. It's true. Um, and so what C.S. Lewis lays out in this book, I think tremendously, and he demonstrates it from interestingly, a, a textbook of a couple people looking at a waterfall is he demonstrates that our world is continually running towards a subjective worldview in the sense that we say almost everything is subjective, almost everything. Mm-hmm. And so there's these two people looking at a waterfall and one of them says that waterfall is sublime. And another person says that waterfall is pretty. And, and C.S. Lewis, uh, you know, argues that one of them is actually more correct. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Well, mm-hmm. So he's arguing that the waterfall has an objective value and how we talk about it can either better correspond to that value or not correspond to that value. Right. And, and he's saying our culture is sliding towards more and more subjectivity. And you can see it in this children's textbook. That basically says, now when this guy says, uh, you know, when he says sublime, he doesn't really mean the waterfall has any value. He's saying it makes him feel sublime. Mm. So our textbooks are teaching, in that sense, a subjective worldview. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, what consequences that might have. You know, he, he argues that it'll eventually lead to the loss of, you know, our personhood. Uh, he, he even he like argues a loss that, of humanity. Yeah, yeah, that's what he means by abolition of man. Oh, by gotcha. abolishing mankind. Abolition means abolishing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big word that sometimes that we don't use in right. our common yeah. English vernacular right. or whatever vernacular is not even they use that often. Yeah. So, no, that's good. So, so when we think about technology mm-hmm. and science mm-hmm. and the advancement of of mankind, yeah. how does that subjective worldview? play into this progress that it seems like the world says we're making well well, the problem is not technology and science i think technology and science are are basically good the problem is technology and science give us more and more power Mm. and and when you're when you're a civilization that is subjective about morals you know what's right and what's wrong who knows you you know you decide Uh, somebody a, a controlling elite Lewis argues, will end up being the one that decides what's right and what's wrong. And it doesn't take very a very long study of church history to know that that can go super wrong super fast. Mm-hmm. For a group of people to say, this is right and this is wrong. We look at, back at some of the atrocities of history and we say, how did that happen? Well, well it happened because uh, people defined what's right and wrong for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so if we define what's right and wrong for ourselves and we define it wrongly, and then technology gives us more and more and more power, Right. We are people without a moral compass and we're holding nukes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So I would much rather, you know, the the unhinged guy that doesn't know what's right and wrong. I would rather he doesn't own guns. (laughs) You know, (laughs) does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the perfect example of this is abortion. Right. Mm. We, we haven't had the technology for abortion that we've had historically. Yeah. Because I was going to ask you, not to get too controversial, but... But, you know, let's get controversial. Yeah, like, yeah. what are some ways, like, yeah. you know, as you said, abortion, right. like that this is playing itself out, yeah. you know? Yeah. So would, would you care to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think I think abortion is the poster child okay. for, for the dangers of this, right? We don't know what a human being is. 
We don't know what a person is. And because we don't know what a person is, it affects, you know, we have a subjective idea of what makes a person a person. Uh, It leads us to not have biblical morals, right? God's word teaches us that we are valuable because we're made in his image, right? And, And so now that we have the technology to kill many, many people that are still in the womb, right? It, 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 you can see the, the effects that causes, right? The technology increases power mixed with a subjective moral system leads to bad things. And Lewis is basically arguing as technology gets, makes us more powerful and as subjectivity increases, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually going to lead to the loss of not necessarily the extinction of mankind, but he argues the, la- the loss of, of humanity. Mm-hmm. And I could explain that, but. Yeah. Maybe I'll leave that dangling for you. No, I hear you. So let's say a student was interested in the sciences, but all around them, um, the sciences are filled with people with this subjective moral view. How would you counsel that student who is thinking, should I I go into biology? Um, Should I go into chemistry? Uh, What what should I do? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And and I think, yes, uh, you know, we look at the advances of, of science and technology and much of it has been used for tremendous good, right? Like I'm probably alive today because I took antibiotics one time, you, you know what I'm saying? Like I probably would have died from an infection by now. Uh, and, and so I think the sciences and technology are good. And, and I think having Christians in those spheres is good. I think they just need to recognize that we can't compromise on this idea of subjectivity or objectivity. Mm. I think we, we need to be looking for we need to be uh, hoping to shape the world so that we can steward the resources god's given us well so Mm -hmm. so we can't think that the solution is in science or technologies the the solution is always going to be in proclaiming the gospel Mm -hmm. seeing souls saved seeing their morals be brought in line with scripture so Mm -hmm. that we use that science and technology well Gotcha. So yeah. those students who go into those fields might uh, have to continually evaluate not only what they should do, but should they even do it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, yeah. Am I, am I a part of developing a technology that, you know, is, is, is evil is not, is going to be used for evil or yeah, I think that that'd be a wise yeah. thing to ask yourself. Certainly. Good. Well, you end with calling Christians to live with faithfulness and good courage. Yeah. Uh, in what ways might Christians on campus day be tempted to maybe soften the edges of their Christian faith yeah. uh, to this subjective worldview? Well, I think as soon as you understand that uh, things in this world have objective value, people are going to start to call you arrogant. Okay, mm. so here's what I mean by that. Um, if this world is made by God, and if all things are made for his glory, then um, let's, let's take music. Music then is made for his glory. And some music corresponds to his glory better than others. Some of it displays his glory better than others, which means how good a song is, is not actually just dependent on if you like it or not. There's actually objective value there. But as soon as you say to somebody, no, this, uh, this song is objectively better than that song. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're going to scoff at you. They're going to say, what? who are you to say? Who made you the decider, right? Uh, you're just being arrogant, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think what it looks like to live with faithful courage is to know, no, I, I believe these things because I believe everything is under the lordship of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not being arrogant. I'm just wanting to see everything in my world glorifying him. Mm-hmm. And so being unafraid of, of people calling you arrogant, genuinely being humble, of course, if you're actually arrogant, that's a problem. You know? mm-hmm. Holding these things, I think, with humility is fine. Um, but I think it looks like, you know, I think 
Well, and here, look, Jay, first off, I'd say most of our students, honestly, probably have way more of a subjective worldview than they think. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. And so it might look like first going and reading The Abolition of Man and asking some long, hard questions about objective value in the world. And then once you arrive on some convictions, holding firm on those. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, John, for joining us. Um, Listeners, if you found this conversation stimulating for your faith, uh, please uh, check out the whole article. The link is in the show notes. And I'm sure John would recommend, and he'd probably recommend to me to read the book, The Abolition of Man. Yeah, Yeah. there's no excuse. (laughs) I'll I'll put it on my list for sure. So uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us. Campus Fellowship is a student organization designed to come alongside local churches to reach college campuses. If you found this encouraging, we invite you to subscribe or follow for more content or go to our website, campusfellowship.com, for other resources. Thanks for listening.